the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever is on your heart. All you need to do is provide the phone call, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR app. Uh, Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Everything will be hands-free and you'll be safe. Hey, we've got a special program. At least the first half of the program today is going to be special. I have Pastor Juan Ortiz here, who is, among many other things, our Joy of Jesus pastor. And we're going to talk about Joy of Jesus, which will be one week from tomorrow. Uh, Pastor Juan's been with me for a long time. I'll let him tell you about that kind of stuff. And we're going to talk about uh, our event, Joy of Jesus. Pastor Juan, thanks for being here. Oh, I'm glad to be here. (laughs) I, I can tell by the look on your face. Oh, I bet you can. <laughs> Pastor Juan, for you in the audience, Pastor Juan, whenever I say, okay, I'm going to be gone, how about you teach and fill in for me? Uh, it's the same look I get then that I just got when I said to him, I want you to be in the radio program Friday, and, and that same look is still on his face. <laughs> Pastor Juan, explain Joy of Jesus for, sure. for the audience. Uh, well, for the past 24 years, we have been holding an outreach event to the people of San Antonio uh, most of the time we set up shop at Travis Park, downtown San Antonio. And uh, throughout the years, we provide different services, different helps for people uh, there in downtown San Antonio. Uh, from a team of doctors to free food, uh, drinks, uh, we have live music. Uh, we have, uh, at one point, we had chiropractic, we have masseuses, we have we give haircuts out, we do nails, we do makeovers, and I mean, the list just goes on and on. In fact, we have well over 35 different uh, ministries uh, this year, uh, including a new one that uh, that uh, a friend of mine said, hey, man, I really would like to do something about the pets, people's pets, uh, dogs, uh, specifically speaking. Uh, I really want to help those, especially the homeless people there that, that have pets, and, you know, to clean them up and... and, and uh, cut their nails and wash them and so forth and and so I said absolutely and <laughs> so it, it just seems like every year we add something new to the services and we so really the, the main objective the whole objective of, of us going down there to Travis Park first of all it's not to promote our pastor or our church or anything other than just sharing Jesus with people and we do that by providing uh, again, all of this free stuff that really that the majority comes from from our own little body here. It's here at the church, 
and uh, and all we want to do is is draw close enough to these people to, to to people. And again, from the the, the majority going to be homeless people. This particular year, we're going to end up with having a lot of migrants there. Uh, we have. Um, Tourists. We have college-age students come through. We have people that work there, businessmen and women, uh, and, you know, and, and people that live around the area. They find out that we're there, and they show up, and we all we do is just draw close to them. You know, they see, they, they hear the music, they smell the food being cooked, uh, they see people walking around with new stuff, new bikes, new clothes, and they're like, I want that. And so we get a chance to get close enough to them and, and share um, you know, the love of Christ. With them. Uh, that's the only thing that we're promoting. And we've been doing this for 24 years. Out of the 24 years that we've been doing this, uh, I've had the privilege of actually organizing this for 15 years. And it's just been, uh, it's been incredible. The last two years, obviously, the uh, 20, uh, 2020 and 2021, we didn't have it because of the virus. But uh, but we're back at it again. So Yeah, and we're, we're a little bit uh, anxious in the sense <laughs> that um, you know, this was something that we have done so often and for so long. The people down there, we'd gotten to know them and they were waiting for yeah. us and they were well behaved and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, but but now the dynamic in the homeless community has changed a little bit. Absolutely. And um, so we, we don't really know what to expect. Um, you know, we're, we're going to tell people about Jesus. Sure. Uh, but um, we really don't know what to expect. Um one of the things we we like to communicate Juan, is that that this isn't just a homeless ministry. Anybody and everybody that comes along in Travis Park is located uh, in a place where we get uh, business travelers, we get people staying in the hotels. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just want to see what's going on. Exactly. And in the past, there have been literally thousands and thousands of people right. throughout the day. And uh, so we're we're just going to go. We God's called us to do this, so we're going to do it again. And and uh, we'll kind of figure out what's going on while we go. You were mentioning the dog grooming. In the way, count the, the way that this ministry grew is uh, we would every year try to figure out something that we hadn't done yet. Exactly. Well, what can we do to minister to people? Yeah. And and in all these years, nobody's ever suggested dog grooming. Yeah. And a lot of the homeless people have dogs. Absolutely. You know that, that's. Uh, that those are their friends. Those are their companion. Those are the ones that uh, uh, those pets. The only ones that they could trust a lot for a lot of them, you know. And uh, so I'm, I'm I'm hoping to see how that uh, turns out. I know that the uh, the folks are going to be extremely grateful for it. And uh, but yeah, I'm I'm super excited, especially for that one too. Kate, one, what would you say to the, the Christians? By and large, this mm-hmm. is an audience of Christian uh, listeners. Um, so what would you say to them? What, what would you tell them to expect if they kind of want to just come out and be blessed or uh, just share Jesus with people? What, what would you tell them to expect? I think that the first thing they're going to see is the amount of people that are wearing these tacky orange shirts uh, <laughs> that we're, we're all going to be wearing. Um, uh, they're going to see this sea of orange was it orange cone or uh, orange <laughs> uh and and they're gonna think wow this must be a huge church that's doing this uh, and if you only know it's a little church uh, located here in pat booker road uh we've been doing this for we've been here for i don't know tw- 25 years i think uh and uh and, and then you'll you'll see not all, okay so not only the, you'll see the people but then you'll see the amount of different canopies and tents and pop-up tents that have been put up and uh, all of the things that, they, uh, that we're giving away, that we're doing. And, and again, you would think that this is some sort of uh, multi-church sort of gathering, but it really is a little church here in Universal City that have um, answered God's call. Um, and said, you know what, we want to share God's goodness with you. We want to do something practical uh, to the people of San Antonio. Uh, we're expecting nothing in return, and we we, we usually don't. And, and again, we're, we're not expecting anything back from them, but uh, we put to practice all the things that we've been taught here since, uh, you know, our, we're taught the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we're that day as a body uh, we we put into practice all these things that we, that we've learned, and um, uh, but th- that's what you should expect. You should expect uh, people just smiling, laughing, having a great time. Even our our own kids are going to be there, uh, playing around, serving, and you will be you're going to be blown away 
uh, to think that this comes from a small little church, again, here at Universal City. Um, and, and again, as I mentioned before, the majority of the things that we give out come from our very own body. Just people, just generous people, just giving of what they have. Obviously, we have uh, other contacts, but but I want to say like ninety percent comes from you know our, our very own body, and it's just a, it's just an incredible, it's a festive type of feeling. And people smiling and laughing and singing and dancing. Um, uh, you, you'll you'll be uh, you'll be blown away. I'm actually excited for f- especially the the very new people that we've had uh, in the past two years coming through to this church. They, they they don't know what Joy Jesus is, and I got a chance to speak with um, a friend of mine, uh, Jesus, one of the ushers here, and he says I've never been to one. I said you just wait. <laughs> so super excited. Yeah. yeah, you know one of the one of the issues that we've run into in the past is is as crowds grow. And and this crowd, you know, Joy of Jesus, like everything else, starts small, mm-hmm. but but it got really really big pretty quick. Yeah. And other churches want to get involved, yeah. and and they've all got an agenda. They do. Would you? And we have no agenda. Oh. And so that's that's the reason that we don't say this is a multi church organization, or we don't invite other people to come, because there's there's no thing. It's not like we're 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 getting something, and not one person that we minister to. Um, will come to our church. I mean, there might be a couple visit the following Sunday sure. just because they're kind of blown away. But uh, this isn't to grow our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't to advertise. Um, you know, other than our shirts and the, the color shirts just help us identify uh, who are the servants and who are being served. Uh, but we, 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 there's no other purpose for this i like to call it a a day of kindness and we'll give away so much especially the clothing um it's it's an amazing thing Juan, would you talk about the bicycles you mentioned the bicycles yeah so uh so we ended up uh uh, getting bikes from sapd property room Uh, these people have been working with me for a very very long time they're so appreciative uh that we are actually uh taking these bikes from them and giving them right back out um, and uh, Victor Perez, uh, the one that heads out this ministry, his um, he's got hundreds of bicycles. <laughs> I'm telling you, his backyard looks like an elephant graveyard, <laughs> you know, with the amount of uh, bicycles and pieces of bikes all over the place. But um, as as much as we want to give all of those away, it's just there's just so many, and we would be there for hours and hours on end trying to give all of them away. And so we have a limited amount of bikes that we, we're, we're giving this year. We're usually 40, 50. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll raffle them off. Uh, these bikes are... Now, we, let me just say, sure. when he uses the word raffle, we don't sell anything. No, absolutely it's just, not. It's just to keep order. We, exactly. We hand out tickets, exactly. and then we call the numbers on the tickets. Yeah. That's the only way we can do it with yeah, any kind of order. Absolutely. Uh, these bikes are not cheap bikes. Uh, again, we're we're talking, um, you know, if you know anything about my, mountain bikes and things like that, but th- these are very, a lot of them are very expensive bikes, and again, we're giving them away. We, you know, we don't. We're, uh, uh, our our again, as you said, our agenda is Jesus yeah. all the way, all the way. And, and the migrant community, uh, because it's grown so much. Yeah. Um, the, the uh, th- there's a lot of kids absolutely who who will be down there, mm-hmm. and we have kids bikes we do that we give away exactly, and yeah. it's just kind of a neat thing. Yeah. And, and uh, praise the Lord for the for SAPD yeah. because they take the initiative to call us. Exactly. They, they want to see something good being done yeah. with it. Yeah. And so these are bikes that are confiscated mm-hmm. or other yeah. things, and so good stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. But but to see some of the look on those faces when they get a bicycle, mm-hmm. I mean, you might as well give them the keys to a new car. <laughs> yeah. Really. Really. You know, and you also mentioned clothes. This year, by far, we have the most amount of clothes ever. Uh, I just went uh, to the, our warehouse and to take a look at it, and we've got boxes piled up to the ceiling. It's just incredible. Uh, the clothes that we have there, obviously, for men and women, but also a ton of kids' clothing. So uh, if you're out there listening to and, and, you, and your kids are in need, you know someone is in need of kids' clothes, please be there. There's just yeah. so much of it. And you can be a Christian. You don't Absolutely. have to be, you have to be uh, homeless. Uh, the, the clothing is there. Yeah. Um, um, you know, one one of my favorite ministries is watching the haircutting. Absolutely. Uh, every year I go spend <laughs> a lot of time hanging out there. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, for a lot of the, the people, it'll be the only haircut they get all year. Yeah. And to watch them physically transformed yeah. as people are ministering to them, literally physically touching, yeah. but ministering to them with the word as well. Exactly. Um, you know, you'll get people to make professions of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you know, to, to hold that mirror up and say, oh, look, yeah. at, look at your haircut. Yeah. It's yeah. an amazing thing. You know, it, it, the, the, that human touch, it just does something. Especially, you know, especially again, uh, with the homeless who... Uh, for the most part, you know, people are sort of a lot of times are just repelled by them and they don't want to be around them. You know, maybe they, they don't smell too good or they don't look um, pleasing to be around. And yet we're there sitting next to them eating. We're there giving them massages. We're there uh, holding their hands as they're getting pedicures or manicures. We're there holding their faces as they're getting uh, makeup on. And, and uh, we're there, as you mentioned uh as people are uh, grabbing their their head and, and, and cutting their hair, and they, you can see them, like you said, they just melt. Yeah. These people just completely melt away. Uh, that hardness all, you know, all of a sudden just kind of sheds away. And and, uh, and what a great opportunity for then people to say, you know, this is Jesus. You've been touched by Jesus. Yeah, praise <laughs> the Lord for that. Well, Juan, I'm not done with you, so let's, let's take a break for a phone call. We've got Jimmy on line one. Jimmy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Oh, hi. How you doing? Good, Jimmy. Oh, I didn't know who that pastor was, but now I looked up his picture. Now I know who he is. <laughs> he's, the, <laughs> he's one of our young, handsome ones, not like me. Hey, I'm a grandfather. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, me too. I'm a grandfather too. Look at that. Is there any, is there any parking there? Or, I mean, I know it's by Travis Park, but... It's gonna be it's gonna be a little tough, but it should be, especially on the weekend. If you come early enough, you will find uh, you will find parking. Um, in fact, that what we will do, I'm not too sure if if you uh, you do come to our church, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, we will have information to where you, where you can actually go and park. So um, sometime this Sunday, we'll have information out there in, in the foyer and, and uh, yeah. Yeah, one of the nice things is that uh, we get some of the businesses in the area and they uh, donate uh, their parking lots yeah. to us. I mean, yeah. uh, they like what happens there, too. Yeah, they do. And so they're, they're real, real generous. We've got some golf carts to get some transportation yeah. back and forth yeah. from the parking lot to the park. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is just get to Travis Park. Everybody knows where it is, and we can do it. First Baptist Church of San Antonio has been gracious enough to, to allow us to park there as mm-hmm. well Basically. for no charge. So there's going to be plenty of parking yeah. as well. Anything else, Jimmy? No, sir. Thank you. I'll talk to you later about something else. Okay. God bless you. Thank you very, very much. Um, You know, uh, Pastor Juan, would you talk about, uh, this is, we invite families. Talk about children's security. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, Scott Croft, uh, he's our biology teacher, actually science teacher here at the academy. Uh, And he has been, he's been taking charge of the, uh, the children's ministry. Uh, when we when we're there, the the children's area is sort of quartered off, uh, fenced around. We'll have a, a a ton of security folks, our our very own security there. But we'll also have park police there as well. We'll have an SAPD uh, officer as well. So it, it's it, it's going to be completely safe. Um, Scott Croft have made it uh, every year. He gets. Uh, he gets new ideas of how to make things uh, safer. Uh, this year he has a, a nice small door where uh, only certain people can go through. So if, uh, if anyone, for whatever reason, would like to go into the children's area without him knowing or our security that's surrounding that place, they're going to hear from them. So all that to say is it's, it's going to be extremely safe. Uh, we welcome families to show up. Uh, you'll have a ton of fun. There'll be a lot to, uh, lots of food, lots to drink, lots of toys, lots of games, and obviously, uh, we'll be sharing Jesus with them. Yeah. We'll be sharing with Jesus with and, them. And so. and and the kids once they get in there, once they get signed in, they can't get out no, without without the parents yeah, signing absolutely in. Not. And the doors are guarded and protected. So this is just one of those things where uh, we want this to be a really fun day for the kids. And the only time they go out, I mean, we'll have our our Calvary Kids Bible School sure. dancers yeah. and VBS, some yep. kids in a play, Absolutely. VBS, and and uh, they'll they'll come out together 
to, exactly. to go to where they perform yeah. and that kind of thing. So it's a really, really safe environment. Yeah. So all of that to say, moms and dads, you can bring your kids, you can put them in the children's security area, mm-hmm. and then you can go out and minister to people. Exactly. You can go out and tell people how much Jesus loves them. In fact, in that area, the children's area, they'll have their own porta potty. So they won't have to travel across uh, the, the the park to try to use the bathroom. They'll have their very own, and so uh, again, they'll be well taken care of. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Dates, times. Uh, absolutely. Uh, October the twenty second. Uh, uh, the event starts from eleven to three p.m. And by the way, we usually have it uh, on the last Saturday of October, but this year was just a little different. Couldn't get those dates, so it's going to be uh, again October the twenty second next Saturday. From 11 to 3. If you're able to come a little early and help us set up, Ooh. that would be amazing. Uh, and by a little early, we're talking 8? Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> more like 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously, uh, in, in, right at 3 o'clock, we'll go ahead and, and shut, uh, you know, um, stop uh, what we're doing and we'll go ahead and clean up. And it, I, I really want to make sure that uh, we clean that park. Um, I mean, just. I, I want that park to look better than what we uh, uh, what we came to. You know, well, so. you, you know, one that we were talking about that before we went on the air. Travis Park is oh. is a beautiful location, it's, and the city for a very long time took really good care of that park. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, they had a, over a million dollar yeah. park beautification project for just for Travis Park. Yeah. And you went down to look at it and you said it looked like a plague of locusts. Yeah, it. yeah. It, it was a. Uh, it, it was. It was kind of oh. sad to difficult to to, to look at just because. Uh, there was no green, uh, nothing green there. A the little dusty, you know. Um, we we ha- they had uh, migrants there for a few weeks, and um, and they used that area sort of to stage and, and and spend overnight, and so pretty much everything is just completely des- decimated. But uh, I know that once we get there, um, it's going to come alive again. Yeah. So. <laughs> thousands of people in there talking yeah. about Jesus. Oh, you, yeah. you can't help it. You can't help it. Yeah. Okay. A little bit about the music. Uh, we we're gonna have our very own, uh, like as you mentioned, BBS Kids. Um, they they did a spectacular job this past summer. Uh, so we'll have our high school, junior high, even the little ones going up there and doing their thing. We'll ha- we'll even have a skit that we'll play t- uh, twice, uh, and then we'll have um, uh, David Marquez, our very own uh, Gypsy King type of guy, type of music. <laughs> <laughs> my son, my, my my son saw David Marquez at, at one of our yeah. retreats. He goes, "Man, I really like that guy, Juan De Niro." <laughs> Juan De Niro, because <laughs> he was singing in Spanish. And, <laughs> and then, uh, of course, we'll have our our, our uh, worship uh, team uh, led by uh, Pastor Elaine and uh, his wife Jocelyn. So, um, come by and and enjoy our free food, but enjoy the smiles, enjoy Jesus with us. And if you can, if you can go down there and uh, share Jesus with people, God bless you, because that's exactly what we're going to be doing. Okay, well, I got you for another just under four minutes now. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your history here at Calvary Chapel? Sure. Um, I've been coming to this church for about uh, 20, 21 years or so with my wife. I have a, a 26-year-old son who's married, a 24-year-old daughter who uh, still lives with us, gave us our first grandson. Um, uh, the Lord got, grabbed a hold of my heart when I was, I don't know, 21, uh, actually 26. Um, and uh, he brought us to this uh, church here and, and it was like, what, what is it? What am I, when am I going into? What is this? You know? <laughs> and the Lord made it very clear that I needed to just be quiet and listen. And the Lord began to penetrate my heart with, uh, uh, with his word. And, and I knew that the Lord had something more for me than just sitting down in the pew and listening and uh little by little i just began to get plugged in along with my wife and um as right now um, i've been teaching uh, high school spanish for 17 years actually this is going to be my 18th year wow wow it's amazing you got old on me i know it's crazy we grew up together you know (laughs) (laughs) and um and 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 then obviously the the joy of Jesus uh, outreach uh, the past actually the past two years that we hadn't had the joy of Jesus that warehouse that we use now to stage uh, the stuff that we're bringing out to to Travis Park I've been using it to collect um, uh, furniture and appliances and so the, that two year hiatus I went ahead and collected all kinds of stuff and would give stuff out as well so uh, we I stay pretty busy uh, doing that but. Um, yeah, it, whatever needs to get done around here, uh, you know, Pastor Ron touches, taps me on the shoulder with his spear, and he says, okay, 
I need you to do this, and <laughs> got to get it done. So, well, you mentioned you're a Spanish teacher, yes. high school Spanish teacher. You've been a staff pastor for how many years? Oh gosh, uh, fifteen years. Fifteen years yeah. since you were ordained. Yeah. And um, uh, the gospel will be presented in English and Spanish. Exactly. And that's going to, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do my very and, best. And, and we can use Spanish speakers. Absolutely. Especially with the migrant population that we have in downtown right now, it's, it would be perfect to have as many Spanish speakers there to share God's goods with these people. You know, they, they come here looking for an opportunity, but um, the real opportunity that they're going to receive uh, when we get there is Jesus. Yeah. It's an everlasting one. So. So, October the 22nd, that's a week from tomorrow, Travis Park from 11 to 3, and if you feel really invigorated, you can get there around 7 and start setting up. There's a lot of work that goes on uh, to get everything ready, and we would love to see you. Pastor Juan, thanks for being here. You got it. Thank you so much. I Appreciate it very, very much. Hey, on the second half of the program, we'll be taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We would covet your your prayers for joy of Jesus between now and the event. And one other thing, Pastor Juan, when we come back to church on Sunday, the place is electric. Everybody's oh, so it, thrilled with their it, stories. It really is. It really is. And again, I'm looking forward to the new folks that have come into our yeah. church. Well, we got 30 minutes left in the week. We'd love your calls. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program, 340-9585. Hey, because Juan was here for the first half of the program, I didn't get a chance to share tonight here at Calvary Chapel. Instead of a normal Bible study, uh, we are going to be having an afterglow. An afterglow is an opportunity for the gifts of the Spirit to be used by the people in the body to 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 be a blessing to the people here. Um, and so it's uh, it, we're always pretty crowded on, on an afterglow night. We do that on Friday nights after we've finished a book, and we finished both First and Second Thessalonians. So uh, that's tonight. Um, um, you can live stream it, but it's much, much better to be here by far. Let's get to some questions while we await your phone calls. The first one comes from Charles from our email inbox. He says, in the garden, Jesus said to the disciples, pray so you will not enter into temptation. What temptation was he talking about? Uh, he was talking about the temptation that they eventually fell into, Charles. Uh, you remember that that uh, Peter was told by Jesus directly that Satan had asked for him by name to sift him as sand. Uh, one translation, another one says, sift you as wheat. In other words, the devil was was after Peter. And Jesus told him, "Don't worry, Peter, but I have prayed for you." So when he went into the inner, er, into the Garden of Gethsemane with his inner circle—that's Peter, James, and John—they um, stopped short of where Jesus went in, and Jesus told them to pray. Now he certainly wasn't asking them to pray for him. You know, they they could tell Jesus was agonizing; they could hear him crying out to his Father and being in physical, spiritual, and emotional agony. Um, but but Jesus was trying to get them watch and pray. Satan's asked for you by name. Uh, he's going to try to do this. Uh, Jesus had predicted that they would all scatter, that they would um, um, deny knowing him. And Peter, of course, in his self-confidence said, well, I'll never do it. The others might, but I never will. And um, Charles, uh, Jesus is saying, you better be ready. You need to be ready. Watch and pray. Be alert. And instead, he found them on three separate occasions asleep. So instead of watching out for their spiritual well-being, they gave in to the physical um, fatigue that they were experiencing, uh, exacerbated, of course, by the the, the, the emotion, the, the emotion that we can't even begin to understand it that night. Really important lesson for all of us, Charles, because... A lot of us are sleeping when we ought to be praying. And I don't mean to, to make everybody feel guilty about their prayer life. But um, 
just a situation where we need to be on guard, especially in these last days. We always need to be on guard um, because these difficult things um, are going to, we're, we're all going to encounter them and we need to be ready. We need to be full of the Spirit. We need to be with Jesus. And the way to do that, of course, is to talk to him. Good question, Charles. Thank you very, very much. Here is a question, this one from Scott, also from our email inbox. Uh, He says, in your sermon on Wednesday, you said Jehu was the only king of Israel anointed by a representative of God. What about Saul and David? Or were you referring to the northern tribes? Yeah, this is a specific reference to just the northern tribes, the ten tribes. By this time, uh, Scott, they were so uh, apostate and, and completely given over to Baal worship and the worship of other false gods and idols. And so uh, Jehu um, was sent to them or sent for them by God. Now, here's what's interesting. And we're only halfway into Jehu's story. We're going to be doing it again this coming Wednesday night. Uh, God anointed him. God had his servant anoint Jehu because Jehu was going in judgment. Jehu was an instrument of judgment used by God. And, you know, you couldn't leave that necessarily to foreign armies or others. So he just said, um, I'm gonna, this is my hand. He wanted everybody to know that the judgment that was coming was judgment they deserved. And it wasn't judgment from a foreign enemy. It was judgment directly from God for their complete apostasy and falling away. So that's the reason uh, I said that on Wednesday, Scott. Thank you. Good, good listening. See if we have another question here from. Uh, this one comes from. Here it is. Coming up. There it is. Ronnie. Uh, this is a female Ronnie. I know her from our email inbox. Hi, Pastor Ron. Ronnie here. I'm reading in Exodus, doing a study on the church, and came across these verses in Exodus 24, verses 9 to 11. Could you please explain these for me? We know. God would only let Moses see a small part of him. So what is the meaning in these verses? Ronnie, I'm interested. I'm going to read the verses in a moment, but uh, I'm interested that you were doing a study on the church and came across the verses in Exodus 24. Maybe you can send another email or question and explain that to us. Here's what the verse says. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and, and they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was a work like a pavement made of sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. But God did not lay his hand on the nobles of Israel. They saw him and they ate and drank. Um, Very curious portion of scripture. Um, Gives you an idea of the importance of the blood. Um, They saw God. I mean, that much is clear. Uh, The blood was always intended to provide access to God. And that's what this picture is all about. And make no mistake, Ronnie, this is a picture. Now, let me clear up some difficulties with the statement that they saw God. Um, You know, did they or didn't they? The Bible says that no one has ever seen God. John chapter 1, verse 18. Uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that God alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light whom no one has seen or can see. I love that verse, by the way, Paul writing to Timothy, that God lives in unapproachable light and that Jesus has given each and every one of us a pass so that we can approach the unapproachable. Uh, 1 John 4, 12 adds this. No one has ever seen God. So our question is, how then could they have seen God? Well, the answer comes from Isaiah chapter 6. This is a famous passage of scripture in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Um, above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Listen to Isaiah's response. Woe to me! 
I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now, did they see God or didn't they? Isaiah thought he was going to have to die because he saw God. But here's who he really saw, and we know this from John chapter 12, verse 41, quoting this scripture. It says, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. So the, the Greek makes it undeniably um, uh, undeniable that the hymn is Jesus. And Isaiah and the Israelites, they all saw Jesus' glory. So there is no way to see God except through Jesus. That's why Jesus would be able to say, Ronnie, that this is I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So um, proof that Jesus is God is in this passage. Um He is the Lord. He's the Jehovah, the Yahweh of the Old Testament. Uh, This also answers our questions about those who saw God, because everybody who saw God, and there were pre-incarnate appearances of Christ called Christophanies or Theophanies in the Old Testament. And they saw God, but it means they always saw Jesus. Always, always, always. Good question, Ronnie. Thank you very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question that comes from Nate. Uh, He says, Pastor Ron, would you discuss the fear of the Lord? Yeah, Nate, I will. Um, The fear of the Lord. um, I'm going to use some theological words here. It's speaking about the filial fear, the loving fear, the awe and the reverence of God. This just doesn't mean that we stand back in awe of God, but a literal fear of the Lord. You know, uh, Solomon wrote that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And one of the things, Nate, that we've lost in our church culture is a healthy filial fear of God. I'm not afraid of God. Jesus made God real. Jesus called me his friend. But you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of not being in his will. I'm afraid of not being obedient. I'm afraid of what the world uh, what my life would look like. Apart from being with Jesus, we, we need to have a healthy fear of those things. And as believers, adopted children of God, we also need to be fearful enough to discourage disobedience. And we have a problem sometimes. We, 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 we look at disobedience um, like it really doesn't matter. Oh, God, grace, grace, grace will cover my sin. Um, but Nate, we have to have a healthy fear of the Lord. And for me, that means I am terrified of what my flesh can do apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And when temptation comes, I don't want to sacrifice that relationship with God and, and that what, that's what motivates my obedience. So that's the kind of fear, not a terror, not, oh, God, what's going to happen? It's, I'm in awe of your goodness to me, but I'm afraid of what could happen if I'm walking away from you. So I think that's a New Testament construct, an explanation for what a New Testament Christian ought to, ought to consider in the fear of the Lord. Good question. Thank you very, very much. We've got Cindy on line one. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. Hi, Cindy. I um, I'm curious about the uh, Northern King and Southern, the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom, about the kings, and when they died, did any of the not so good kings get buried in Jerusalem with their fathers? Because I know one of them got kind of shoved out of his um, chariot and, and just kind of left somewhere, I think. I'm not sure, but I, I know that a lot of the kings weren't very good. But some of the kings, it says that when they died, they were taken to Jerusalem and buried with their fathers. So that's kind of the question that I was thinking about in, at a Wednesday night study at the end of it. So I'm going to get off the phone and, and listen to you. Thank Bye. you, Cindy. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, the, the Bible repeatedly says uh, when he died and he rested with his fathers. Um, um, you know, um, I tried to explain this a couple of studies ago. Um, none of the bad kings are really resting. The idea, it's just a human way of communicating that they were buried with their fathers. Now, in, in the northern tribes, of course, they would be buried in the tombs uh, in, the, in, the, in the land where they were. 
um, um, but but not in Jerusalem. Uh, in the southern tribes, of course, they would be buried in the tombs that were available from their ancestors. And and since the lineage was so important, um, that they kept pristine records. Uh, so, so they wanted to know where everybody was buried, and they would keep historical records. So the the um, the northern kings were buried with their ancestors. The southern kings buried with their ancestors. But again, I want to want to repeat um, that there were none of them, Cindy, none of them that were actually resting because uh, in their willful rebellion, in their um, rebellion against God, the worship of false idols. Um, the minute they died, they they went to the place of torment. You can read about that in Luke chapter 16. So really, really important that we understand there was no rest at all uh, for that. You know, if it's it's easy and it's it's hard to get. It's easy to get confused. Hard to keep track. Um, when you're going through a book like First and Second Kings, um, the the narrative shifts from northern to southern, northern to southern, northern to southern, and it does so often without any notice. It's also important and confusing uh, because a lot of the names are repeated. You know, we're at a time right now in our Second Kings study where the, there's a bunch of kings: um, Jehoram, Joram, Jehoshaphat, um, and there are kings in both. Northern and tribe and southern tribes uh, with the same names, so you really got to pay attention and, and understand where they're going. Good question, Cindy. Thank you very very much. Here is a question from Jesse. She says, "Is it wrong to vote for someone who is not a good person, but whose policy line up with the biblical values more than the other candidate?" Jesse, this is such an important question as we head into another election season. Um, nobody who is running for political office, and I'm, I'm going to speak generally, God always has a remnant. He always has a remnant. But you'll find a bunch of people that say they're Christian and they're going to court the Christian vote. Um, uh, but there's no evidence at all that they're born again. Uh, you may remember, Jesse, I don't know how long you've been listening to the program, but in the last presidential election, I got hammered by people because I said, Donald Trump is wicked. He's evil. We need to pray for him to get saved. He's God's choice. And they automatically assumed he's Republican. God God voted for him, so he must be a Christian. He's not. You can tell by the way he lives his life. He's not. Now, because his policies were closer to what most Christians believe is the will of God in certain issues. No, it's not wrong to vote for him at all. But we need to remember we're not voting um, for a person and that person's character. We're voting for someone whose policies line up with our biblical perspectives. That's what's important to remember. If you're waiting for somebody... Uh, who is a born-again Christian who will not compromise, you're going to be waiting a long time and you'll never vote for anyone. So, Jesse, vote your conscience, an informed conscience, without expecting that uh, a, a leader, just because he espouses values that are close to your values, have no expectations that that man is or woman is a, is a man or woman of good moral character, uh, otherwise we'll be disappointed because they're all of them compromised. Uh, we've had a whole lot of Christian presidents. Jimmy Carter was a Christian president, and he was a pro-abortion president. Jimmy Carter, even now into his old age, is on the extreme end of liberal politically, but he's a professing Christian. Now, he's going to have to deal with that between him and the Lord. But the idea is, is just because somebody says they're Christian, we need to look at their life and we need to pray for them to get saved. That's what we, our prayers, and we need to pray for our, our office holders and our candidates. Pray that, that they would hear the Spirit's calling and they would give their life to Jesus Christ. But we, we simply can't have an expectation that one candidate is good and the other is evil because as we've discovered, 
Um, both parties are about as wicked and full of lies and duplicity as you can possibly imagine. So you vote your biblical conscience, and the only thing that we can do is make a vote for the person whose policies most reflect uh, our biblical standards. So Jesse, thank you for that question. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. I don't know how much time I've got left here, but here is a question to tell about eight minutes. Okay, here's a question from Mika or Micah. It's M I K A. Uh, she says, or he says, why did God give control of the world to the devil? Um, Mika, he didn't actually. God didn't. He gave uh, Adam control of the world, and Adam by sinning, by being disobedient to the Lord, is the one who gave control of the world to the devil. Now, obviously, God knew that was going to happen. Obviously, God has the devil on a leash. He can't do anything uh, apart from um, the permission, the express permission of God. Um, But God's given him a long leash uh, because everything from Adam's fall forward was pointing to Um, Jesus coming uh, to die for the sins of the world. But at this point, um, the enemy is called by the Apostle Paul uh, the prince of the air, or the god, little g, the little g god of this world. And he's the one calling the shots. Again, with God's control, God's got him on a leash. Uh, The Bible describes Satan, even Satan, as a servant of God. Now, certainly it doesn't mean he's serving God of his own free will. It just means that God is using him and his wickedness uh, to accomplish a purpose, to accomplish his purpose. So um, here's the the thing. Satan uh, is temporarily in control of things. He's the one pulling the strings. He's the one causing the lies and the duplicity. Um, and and uh, at, at any moment now, uh, Jesus is getting ready to come for his church, and then he will spend the last seven years reeling Satan in. So that's how it happened. Stacy says, can someone who is truly born again struggle with addictive behavior? Uh, Stacy, the answer is yes. Now, let me, let me define a word here. It's important. You use the word struggle. That's the verb. Um, when people are struggling, a born-again person would struggle with it. Um, what we've done in our culture is we've called sin addiction and we've we've given a license to people to say, well, I'm struggling with pornography, I'm struggling with drugs, or I'm struggling with alcohol, and they keep doing it. Well, they've ceased, spiritually speaking, they've ceased to struggle at all. They've given themselves over to it. The truly born-again man or woman, Stacy, has been delivered from the control of sin in their lives. That's important. We've been delivered. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be tempted. It doesn't mean that our flesh doesn't want to visit those things. And it also doesn't mean, Stacy, that once in a while we slip. But when we do, we hate it. In 1 John 1, 9, we ask for forgiveness. We confess that that's a sin. God, I don't want to do it. And then he purifies us from all unrighteousness, and our fellowship is restored. But um, here's something that's important for everybody to remember. If you're truly born again, the struggle has to stop. And let me also add this. Your struggles shouldn't remain the same. This time next year, you shouldn't be struggling still with the stuff you're struggling with now. If you're really growing in Christ then there will always be struggles because the enemy's out there and always going to tempt us. The world is always trying to persuade us uh, about what is or isn't right to do, calling good evil and evil good. But we shouldn't struggle with the same thing. The idea is to have victory over sin and temptation. And if we have victory over sin and temptation, um, Stacy, then... Um, we move on, and then another temptation will hit us, and we'll we'll wrestle with that. Um, but the result will be victory, and that's what Jesus has. I just don't think enough of us have enough faith to really and truly believe what the Bible says. Sin shall no longer be your master. Paul said, all things are permissible for me, but I will not be controlled by anything. And the Christian no longer can be controlled by sin, 
if that Christian is walking in the Spirit of God. Last question for the day. Here's one. This is from Rebecca. And she says, how should I approach a believer who has no evidence at all of a relationship with Christ? Uh, Rebecca, you approach him in love. And you say, you tell me you're a believer. But how would I know apart from you telling me the words? I think this is really key because as Christians, it's our responsibility to lovingly confront, to lovingly confront professing Christians who are in sin. And so here's what you do. You say, you know, I've been praying for you. I'm concerned about you. And I just want you to know I'm here to help. And they'll say, well, what's your concern? Well, you say you're a Christian, but you're doing this, you're doing that, and the, the way you talk, uh, the, the things you do. And you can say, how would anybody know or be able to identify you as a Christian if they never heard you say you were a Christian but just watched your life? Now, you're going to be accused of being a judger when you do that. Uh, people are going to be offended by it. But that's okay, Rebecca. That's because you love them. And that's what you communicate to them. You say, I I just want you to be sure because the Bible says people who are living like you're living will not inherit the kingdom of God. That matters a great deal. So that's how you approach them. In love and with concern, don't get into an argument. If they don't receive it, then just tell them, well, I'll be praying for you. And then leave them alone. Leave them alone. Good question. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I want to remind you a week from tomorrow is our Joy of Jesus at Travis Park from 11 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Tonight here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, we are having an afterglow, a, a time when the Spirit of God is moving the body, ministering to the body. That's at 7 o'clock. We'd love to have you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back on Monday at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.